0: Welcome to the Reserve, a news and thoughts podcast from the Central Verse. I'm your host Caleb Nygaard, and today is episode number fourteen. I'm delighted to have with us Lee Reiners, lecturing fellow at Duke Law and executive director of the Global Financial Markets Center. Welcome, Lee.
1: Thanks for having me, Caleb.
0: Absolutely, and I'm also excited. Uh, our frequent uh, guest, recurring here, is Stephen Kelly. Welcome back, Stephen. Thanks, Caleb. All right. Last week, uh, a, a big uh, a big report dropped from the president's working group on financial markets on a, on stablecoins. It was widely expected. It was one report of two uh, from this world, uh, and we were excited to see this one drop. Uh, and there's been a lot of buzz and and a lot of action on it. And you two are. Uh, our leading voices in this. And so I'm really excited to, to be here and to, to be talking with both of you. Lee, I wonder if we could start uh, with you by just kind of give us a quick background on who wrote the report and, and not necessarily names and, and organizations, although you can mention those, but specifically how you think that should influence our interpretation of what the report itself says, we're going to talk. We're going to go into big details about the report itself. Um, but I wanted to kind of level set this by, by saying, you know, who were these people that wrote the wrote the report, and how does that influence our interpretation?
1: Yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't have um, names. Uh, and, and generally speaking, this type of thing, you know, there are a, a select few with uh, with the pen. Um, so it's it's always hard to write a report uh, via committee. But uh, the report itself was issued by the president's working group on financial markets. Uh, this is a group that I don't think most people have uh, are, are all that familiar with. Uh, I believe the history of the PWG is actually is created in the wake of the uh, the failure of long-term capital management. Stephen, you can correct me if I'm uh, wrong there. So
2: yeah, uh, yeah, they they've rebranded since they were they got the name the Plunge Protection Team after yeah. LTCM.
1: Yeah, so whenever you know something uh, uh, bad tends to happen in, in capital markets, that the PWG it's like a a band of superheroes. I guess they 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 uh, come together um, to 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 figure out what to do. Um, and so the the Pwg itself consists of uh, uh, the chair of the Federal Reserve, um, the Treasury Secretary. So you know it's led by the Treasury Secretary. Uh, it includes the, the market reg, uh, capital markets regulators, so uh, the chair of the, the SEC, the chair of the, the CFTC. Um, and so that's who's normally um, involved with the president's working group on financial markets. For this specific report on stablecoins, they also brought in the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, as well as the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. And I think that tells you something in terms of where they're coming at this issue from. Um, and so when I sort of reflect on, on the report, you know, very much um, prudential regulation focused, um, right? So um, uh, I think, frankly, it, it sort of sidelines, uh, to, to, and we can talk about this, the, the SEC and the CFTC to a certain degree, um, but I think it's really reflecting concerns from uh, prudential banking regulators. So the Fed, the FDIC, and the, the OCC. So I think... Um, that's, you know, whose voices come across most clearly, uh, at least when I re- read the report.
0: All right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I actually didn't I hadn't heard that 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 history uh, there. I'm sure there's a there's there's stories in that as well. Um, let's jump into the let's jump into the to the report uh the report itself so you know there i think we're gonna assume that uh that listeners know kind of the basics of uh of what a stable coin a stable coin is uh but but steven maybe maybe you can you can jump in here as well and just give us the uh, you know when the this president's working group plus maybe the the plus version with these with these other groups got together what is it that they, you know, what was the big, what was the, the negative thing that happened or, you know, why were the superheroes called together? And and there again, you can make this short so we can get into the report itself, but what were some of the issues happening in this world? Why did it rise to the degree such that uh, it, it deserved a, a full report?
2: Yeah. I mean, my sense of, of, of these regulators main issue with this is that these stable coins, do this classic thing in, in, in banking and in markets where they say, give us a dollar and we'll give you a dollar back. So, I mean, that, that's kind of their big concern is you, the way stable coins work is you give them a dollar of, of your regular currency and then you have a, a stable coin that lives on, on, on a blockchain or many blockchains. Um, and, and this sort of makes regulators nervous, right? I mean, this is the classic money market fund issue. You know, can these things break the buck? Do they really have a dollar to back the dollar? Uh, so, so that, that's sort of the approach with which uh, you know they kind of came at this. I mean there are other concerns obviously everybody hates Facebook you know and they've talked about bringing on their own so that, so that's kind of the impetus right now this market is small. That being said, uh, it's one of the few markets that I, I have to update the number that I quote like every day because yeah. uh, Tether prints another billion in the morning and, and it's a little over 130 billion now which again, you know, is, is, you know, JP Morgan could buy the whole market tomorrow if, if it blew up, but but it's it's scaling very quickly. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like 4X'd in 2021 alone or something to that effect. And obviously the Facebook concern is a big one. You're talking about, you know, several billion users. Uh, so so these are kind of regulators' concerns in general. And Lee, you can add to, I, I mean, there's, there's other things because it lives on the blockchain, there's money laundering and, um, you know, sort of this, this, terrorist financing concern as well. But obviously that's less the concern of, of the fed and, and treasury, or less the concern of the fed and the OCC than, than treasury and NATSEC. But um, that, that's kind of the thrust of the general concerns about this.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. And that was, that that came through the, the growth of it came through in the, in, in the report over and over again at the uh, you know, just technologically and and kind of this, uh, uh, uh network effects of these these types of things it could grow very 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 quickly so they're trying to get get ahead so so Lee then you know what were what were the risks uh that uh that, that stood out most to you that you thought were were well addressed here uh in 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 the report and or you know let's just start talking about the some of the yeah. risks feel free to just jump in wherever you'd like well the the risks were the the
1: classic um you know kind of prudential uh, regulatory risk, um, you know, that, that, that prudential regulators would, would worry about, which is essentially a, a bank run, right? Um, so, you know, the report kind of says, hey, um, these, uh, you know, Stephen mentioned, they look like money market mutual funds. They also look like, you know, bank deposits, right? A deposit is, you know, uh, you put a, money, a dollar in, you get a, a dollar out. Um, and so the the risk of a of deposit is, of, it was, of course, the quintessential bank run. Uh, uh, and if everyone uh, showed up uh, and demanded their money back, uh, the bank couldn't uh, provide that, right? This is the, the classic scene and uh, it's a wonderful life. And so, um, you know, we have things like deposit insurance and, uh, and access to a lender of last resort at, at the Fed and, and liquidity provision. So, you know, none of that exists uh, in the, the world of, of stable coins. And so, Uh, The concern is what is making these stable, uh, right? That's what the report focuses on. Um, What is, you know, in these reserves? And so there's many different types of of stable coins uh, in terms of how they maintain uh, the peg, right? And and generally speaking, most stable coins are are, are pegged to the the U.S. dollar. Um, So this report focuses on um, essentially fiat-backed stable coins. So Tether, uh, US dollar circle, uh, stable coins that hold a reserve of dollar denominated assets. Um, And, you know, we can get into kind of what, you know, constitute these assets and Tether's uh, uh, checkered uh, history. Um, But uh, in many cases, uh, the reserve is not as stable as uh, they would make it out to, to be the stable coin issuer. Um, and so that's the, that's the main concern here, which is, uh, which is the run risk. Uh, if everyone wanted, um, to redeem their, their stable coin, uh, the stable coin issuer would have to sell assets from the reserve. Some of those assets aren't going to be, um, uh, liquid, uh, and they wouldn't be able to meet, um, all the redemption requests. And this could be, a, a, a trigger for some type of broader, uh, destabilizing, um, event in the, the financial system, uh, in the future, right? As Steven said, that the stablecoin market isn't big enough to, to threaten financial stability at this at this point in time, but as the report highlights, there's been tremendous growth. It, it notes that there's been a 500% increase um, in, uh, in stable coins uh, in circulation just the past 12 months. So anytime you see something grow that quickly in the financial markets, regulators are going to be concerned. I think you know my concerns are that uh, the report uh, ignores essentially the, the present risk and how stable coins are currently being used. Um, and instead chooses to, to look at this hypothetical future in which stable coins are a widely used medium of exchange. And in fact, the report uses this term for the first time that I've never heard before called payment stable coins. Um, now the, the closest parallel, the FSB is called, has used this term global stable coins, and this came out in the wake of the uh, Facebook's attempt. So, you know, they're really looking ahead to this hypothetical future in which stable coins are widely used as a, as a payment mechanism, um, and, you know, the irony is that uh, it's clearly motivated by what Facebook did uh, in 2019. And if you look back at the, the history and, and if you've been involved like I have for a number of years, uh, you know, most prudential regulators didn't really take crypto seriously until uh, Facebook's uh, efforts to, to launch uh, at the time would have been a, a global uh, stablecoin, meaning the reserve would have been made up of, uh, of uh, assets denominated in multiple uh, fiat currencies. And so, um, so it's really in a way backward looking, uh, and I just find that quite, quite odd, uh, because there are, uh, very, uh, clear risk. And and the reality in terms of how stable coins are used now is they're not used as a medium exchange, except to buy and sell other crypto assets. Right. Um, so, you know, you look at the growth in crypto uh, or the growth in stablecoins, it parallels the growth in in DeFi nearly one for one. So the way stablecoins are used now is to buy and sell uh, other crypto assets, primarily on exchanges overseas, and to lock stablecoins up in smart contracts with various DeFi protocols, and you know whether it be uh, uh, um, decentralized exchanges or, or lending protocols. That's how stablecoins are used now. Um, they're not used as a medium exchange. It's not clear to me that they ever will be. And so rather than focus on this hypothetical future, which I frankly doubt will ever come, um, let's tackle the risk that are present now, which is we have essentially a parallel unregulated financial system that is growing in front of our eyes that is completely absent uh, any KYC checks whatsoever. Um, so that is where I think this report is a, a huge miss. And of course, the big takeaway, I think Stephen's commented on this uh, in other forums, is if your main recommendation is legislation, nothing is going to happen, right? So this is a punt. And you know this is an issue that regulators can no longer afford to punt on, right? And they've done it for far too long, and they do it Yet again, so you know, I think this report landed like a lead balloon. I mean, and the only people who seem to like it are the banks, and of course, banks are going to love anytime non-banks are forced to uh, adhere to bank-like supervision and regulation, right? So, um, but across as far as you know, my kind of uh, read on the situation is that you know, crypto skeptics as well as crypto enthusiasts alike are, are very dismissive of uh, of this report, and, and I think it just it misses it misses the mark and um, and honestly, uh, I think you know there's a real risk here in uh, the Treasury Secretary effectively endorsing um, private money, right? So someone should go down to, uh, to to Trinity Church in Lower Manhattan to make sure everything's in order because uh, uh, Alexander Hamilton might be uh, uh, turning over in his grave uh, given uh, uh, what just happened. So. You know, that was a bit of a of a rant but um i think this was a a, a big miss uh, uh frankly and and uh, you know uh, i'm a new dad so uh, i guess i can say this but i'm disappointed i'll say
2: <laughs> so 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 lee i'm gonna jump in here it's funny that you say nobody's happy because before the podcast caleb and i were talking and i said i think i, I think this report didn't make anybody happy except for me because everybody uh, you know on the left seems seems to be upset that there's that they basically punted the legislation didn't do anything in the interim. And uh, folks on the rights are, 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 think it's crazy to, to regulate these things like banks. Um, so, I, 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 I mean, you talk about how there's, there's sort of this unregulated crypto economy, and I'm totally empathetic to, to the necessity of KYC and, and you know other AML restrictions. But I get a certain degree of comfort by the fact that this is only you know, sort of, it, it sort of lives within the crypto sphere. I mean, we, we talk about what it's used for, which is basically, you know, the sort of circular crypto economy. Um, and and to me, that that makes it less concerning than, you know, the money market fund. And I, I, I sort of think that analogy isn't perfect in that we think about who the investors are in this market, and it's not folks that we necessarily care, um, you know, if they get a dollar, this isn't, it's not like Apple, you know, which has a couple hundred billion dollars, way too much for deposit insurance is going to put their money in stable coins like they do in money market funds, um, or, or, or small businesses or anything like that. It, it, you know, it's, it's very clear. Like you said, this is just crypto traders. And even they, when I talk to crypto traders, they're like, Oh, well, you know, what's Tether trading at? Is it at 98 cents? Is it at a dollar too? Like, I don't care. Um, you know, relative to crypto, it's, 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 you know, this fables thing in the world. Um, So, uh, you know, to me, I'm just a little skeptical that that there is a huge risk in necessarily punting this to legislation. And I'm more concerned, frankly, that we end up regulating these things like money market funds. And then we do nothing more than that. Um, And now we have a whole crypto sphere that's also sort of regulated like money market funds. And we sort of push the crypto sphere into into Wall Street uh, Mm -hmm. in a way that it's that it's not currently intertwined. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I yeah. don't know what you think. What you thought was missing, well, the, what you wanted in the short term.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I would push back that the crypto sphere is not um, integrated into uh, Wall Street or the uh, CFI, as the crypto people like to call it, centralized finance. Um, you know, uh, the CFTC uh, uh, smashed that that barrier down uh, a number of years ago with uh, the uh, allowing Bitcoin futures to come to market. Now we have. Uh, an ETF uh, tracking uh, Bitcoin futures. So, you know, God bless America. Um, <laughs> you know, you have, and, you know, and people, and I go back to like, you know, economic principles here. Um, you know, crypto is considered a commodity, right? By the the CFTC. Um, so, okay, commodity futures, commodity ETFs, uh, they make sense, right? I don't want to have to hold a barrel of oil, right? Um, crypto is very, all I have to do is just keep track of my private key right an alphanumeric <laughs> string of characters you know so that hey, you know, hey, I, it's easier I, said
2: than done there's there's a lot of multimillionaires out yeah.
1: there that uh yeah know. it's well you know you have to then you know write it on a piece of paper chop that piece of paper <laughs> up into multiple pieces deposit each piece of paper in a safety deposit box at I guess what a bank uh and that's literally if you read uh uh, uh bitcoin billionaires the Ben Mezrich book about the uh, Winklevoss twins that's what they did when they got into crypto anyway so um you know, so this crypto just defies logic in a a lot of different ways. You know, I've never seen anything where uh, the gap between rhetoric and reality is wider, um, uh, frankly. And so I'm one that looks at the reality uh, of the situation. Um, You know, and the reality is that uh, regulators, market regulators have tools uh, at their disposal that they can already uh, uh, use. Uh, and so I think that is kind of um, what what concerns me most about this report. I mean, you know, the, some of the language in there was, was I thought was kind of concerning. I mean, it, I'm quoting here, it's, it says, if a well-designed and appropriately regulated stable, it says, if well-designed and appropriately regulated, stable coins support faster, more efficient, and more inclusive payments options. I mean, that is a, an endorsement, frankly, of stable coins or what stable coins could be Uh, And it ignores how stablecoins are currently being uh, used. And so if you are Gary Gensler and you're thinking of taking some type of enforcement action against a stablecoin issuer, this kind of uh, handcuffs you to a certain extent, right? Because it's effectively, like I said, the treasury secretary um, uh, uh, blessing uh, uh, stablecoins. And so, um, you know, but I hear what you're saying, Stephen, and I'm not necessarily convinced either that classifying uh, stable coins as uh, investment companies, whether it be money market, mutual funds, or some other form, it, it really uh, gets at the problem. I've, you know, but my main concern is keeping crypto, including stable coins, out of the banking system because it has infiltrated Wall Street. It has infiltrated investment banking. You know, you're starting to see um, you know, some um, uh, investment banks you know, have crypto trading desks. Uh, but it's it's largely stayed out of at least the national banking system. now Brian Brooks, former acting Comptroller, you know did everything he could within his power to to, to change that and, and he rolled out the red carpet for, for uh, crypto and, and stable coins but but by and large it, it's remained outside of the national bank system and I think that is uh, uh, a good and, and I think uh, regulators should do everything within their power to keep crypto um, out of the banking uh, system. I mean keep in mind this is a, a an asset that's based off of nothing, right? There's no intrinsic uh, value there. The only reason people are buying this stuff is because they think they can sell it for a higher price in the future, which is the very definition of a, of a bubble. So, um, so you know, and this is, the RAIN recommendation is the exact opposite, bringing into the banking system. Let's, you know, import crypto's problems into the banking system, um, which to me is just a huge mistake. So I, you know, one, they punted by recommending Congress take action. And two, I don't even support um, that action. So what would I, you know, what would I do, right? That's kind of what you're back to your question, Stephen. So I think there's a pretty, uh, solid argument to be made that, um, that section 21 of Glass-Steagall, which is still on the books, applies here, which prevents non-banks from accepting deposits. Uh, right. So, uh, that's sort of step one. Um, I think you can enforce that. Uh, you can say that these are effectively illegal, um, deposits uh step two you could have the OCC issue interpretive guidance just like they did under Brooks but you know it'd be the opposite where you say national banks you are not permitted to deposit to hold and deposit stablecoin reserves right we're not going to let this into the banking sector um and uh and then you and then you know the market regulators be at the SEC you know I you know I don't think it, it, it's a bad thing to to classify tether or, or some other stablecoins if they meet the criterion as uh, money market mutual funds or or investment companies, but to me the main priority should be to keep it out of the banking sector um, because then it's then it's game over, um, right? And you've seen this time and time again. I mean, just look at you know derivatives, uh, uh, you know, in the OCC's uh, decisions, um, which have been well documented by you know Saliamorova and others uh, in the the 90s and 2000s around um, you know banks trading in derivatives. So um, that's kind of where I where I come at this from and. And, uh, and, and, you know, I think some people on the right are also supportive of, of not forcing these things into the banking system either, that um, it allows innovation to flourish. But, you know, let's treat them as they currently are, right? Let's not try to regulate them as they hypothetically could be. Um, and, and, and so I think that's why they kind of missed the mark here.
2: Yeah, so, so much good stuff to unpack there. And, and, and just to clarify, when I say I don't want to push these things into Wall Street, I, I do mean the money markets. Um, I, you're absolutely right that it's totally, totally infected, you know, broader securities markets, every bank's trying to hire folks, you know, you, we have futures and things like that. Um, you know, I, I think there, there's certainly an important distinction to be made between something like, you know, something that affects the money markets versus something akin to an equity bubble, which is, is maybe less systemic. And, and, you know, the people who lose are mainly the investors who, who speculated, um, which is, you know. Results in less unemployment and things like that, but a, to- a total agreement. Uh, lots of lots of good stuff you said there. Um, you know, I, I, you mentioned Section Twenty One of Glass Steagall. Uh, I mean, I kind of see this as as de facto what they're pushing for, basically. I mean, to me, to me, you know, you, you talked about fear about about pushing this in the banking system, and frankly, what I see as the likely outcome if if stable coins do exist into the future as what they call a payment stable coin is that it will just exist amongst banks. I mean if, if they can if they if they legislate this or they implement or you know they kind of are stronger about section 21 and glass steagall I think that I think the end game here is is my JP Morgan account pays your Citibank account with stablecoin technology. And, and to me that that's this that's the same thing, whether it's new legislation or whether it's a reinterpretation of section 21 of glass steagall I mean, that in effect is pushing it into the banking system, but what it really is, is just deposit accounts. Uh, it's, it's just new technology for deposit. I mean, it's, it's the new Zelle, basically. Um, that to me, that's what I see as if there is an end game, uh, where these things are useful. Um, so, so I, I see this, like I, I share the same concern that I think we should, should avoid pushing these things into the banking system, which is why I'm kind of a little uh, a, a little more dubious about this notion that we should regulate their reserves. Uh, like to take Tether, for instance, since it's always in the news. I mean, they're they're very they're very opaque about what they hold. But but we've we've learned enough. Right. I mean, yeah. they, they've they've paid two fines, um, you know, for for lying. We know they've lied for years about it. We know they have you know, a deposit in the Bahamas. They have Chinese commercial paper. They have, they, they printed tether against against Bitcoin collateral. Like we, we know it's garbage, and and a fraction of this would have would have destroyed a money market fund, right? Even rumors oh, of yeah. any of this would have destroyed a money market fund in a day. And, and crypto traders don't care. So so my concern is that if if short of calling this a bank, we say you know what you got to you got to start holding repos with with you got to start holding Treasury repos with Goldman Sachs, and you got to start holding uh, you know, uninsured bank deposits, uh, that, that, that really kind of infects the money markets with, with crypto risks. I mean, yeah. talk about o- OCC guidance. Well, and, let's, and hold on, I, Steven I,
1: I, on, on the, the, I, I mean, you this tether point is like, we got to drill down on this cause it's like crazy. Um, yeah. you know, right. And it gets to how stable are currently being used. I mean, the, the PWG report is focused exclusively essentially on, on run risk. And when you look at the history of tether, you have to ask yourself, if a run hasn't occurred yet, what mm. will it take? Um, exactly. and, the re- and the reason a run hasn't occurred is because crypto traders need Tether to work, right? It, mm. It's 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 propped up by this collective psychology, which pervades the entire crypto ecosystem. So I, I need Tether, therefore Tether is stable, right? That is what's making this work because um, Tether allows you to trade in and out of positions on crypto exchanges. Tether allows you to participate in DeFi and do all this yield farming, um, mm-hmm. and so that is how stablecoins are currently being used. And you know, by the way, there's other fast, you know, rapidly growing stablecoins like uh, Dai, for instance, which is collateralized by crypto, which is caused by by Ether, it exists entirely on um, on chain. This report says nothing about how you should regulate Dai or what you should do with Dai. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we're witnessing the growth, like I said earlier, of a uh, completely unregulated, uh, uh, no KYC financial system that is, cur- that is being fueled exclusively by stable coins. And, you know, the report acknowledges essentially that that's currently the practice. And it says, but that's not what we're focused on. And to me, it just blows my mind. It's like, well, that's the, the main risk. And that could threaten financial stability, right? If it gets big enough, as the new connections are formed right between crypto and the traditional financial system, which they are with crypto derivatives uh, and other, you know, products um, this could spill over if it gets big enough and there's some type of, you know, dramatic price decline. Um, and, and that's where this report is just like, you know, how do you not understand that this is the main risk right now, not this hypothetical future run risk that is clearly motivated by what uh, the, what Facebook, or I I still can't say meta, but what Facebook was trying to do.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's Facebook rebranded as meta, which has Libra rebranded as DM. Uh, It's a, it's a mouthful. Uh, But yeah, you know, you know, I, I totally agree. I, I, I mean, I kind of like things like DAI because they, like you said, it's, it's crypto backed by crypto. So the whole thing can go to, it can go to the moon and it can go to zero and, and I don't have to think about it, which is, is kind of my view of it. Um, you know, there, there are certainly consumer issues. I mean, the, the consumer disclosures are a nightmare. I mean, uh, Tether, even USDC, Paxus, even the ones that are supposedly safe, all these stable coins are just they just have nightmarish disclosures in terms of service. Um, but you're right. I mean, this this it, it is sort of a collective belief among traders. I, I, I don't know if I would say belief so much as just uh, disregard. I don't know if it's ignorance. Like I said, we know so much about Tether. Uh, it, it's more just that they don't care. I mean, I, I've kind of, I've kind of made the analogy to PayPal. You know, I probably have, PayPal owns Venmo. I probably have, you know, seventeen dollars or something in my yeah. Venmo right now. Like just, and, and what is Venmo like? A triple B rated company, a single A. Uh, and I don't know what they're invested in. And I just whatever because I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay Caleb later. Um, and, and I kind of think that's okay. I mean, I, I, I don't see. The, the data in Tether and stable coins doesn't suggest to me that anybody really has any intention of taking this stuff off chain. Like, I mean, like you said, it's just to trade it in out of crypto. And, and, and I'm not here to advocate any of that by any means. Like you said, it's, it's all just it's based on capital appreciation. Um, but it, it doesn't strike me that, that anyone has any intention of, of redeeming this stuff uh, in any major way. Uh, it, it's sort of just to to live there temporarily while they while they get in and out of crypto. Uh, so so I, th- that's what makes me worry is is we sort of solve a problem that doesn't exist. Of uh, we we need we need to make these things run resilient, and then you know it it's it's an impossible thing to do, right? We've seen that with money market funds. You can't make stuff run resilient without legislation, without mm-hmm. a yep. total sovereign backing. Um, you know the Fed's not going to be able to get at stable coins quick enough, and so short of bank legislation, we're gonna end up with private money no matter how much we regulate the backing collateral. And so that's what that's what my fear is is we say, okay, well let's do something about it now. Well, let's make them hold safe-ish stuff. Uh, and then we, we have a money market fund issue and and it happens because because crypto did whatever. You know, Google whatever reason crypto ran today, and, you know, it lost 20 20 some percent in May in two days. You know, now all of a sudden that's a money market fund issue. Yeah. Um, so that that's sort of my concern.
1: No, it's it's a it's a fair. Um, it's a fair concern. I mean, I, you know, my my position for a while has been to, you know, keep crypto out of the traditional financial sector, you know, whether that be um, money markets or whether that be the, the depository system. Um, you know, I think we've kind of lost on the money markets a uh, piece, or or, mm-hmm. go, or are going to to lose. I, I certainly think it's probably inevitable that we're going to have a, uh, an ETF that that tracks uh, underlying um, physical Bitcoin. I, I hate to use that term because it's a it's you know it's like an oxymoron. Like it's it's a digital <laughs> asset. when you you know? But you know, um, but that holds you know actual uh, uh, Bitcoin. Um, you know, and that's going to open it up to a whole host of, uh, you know, pension funds, other institutional investors. Um, and then we're, you know, off to the races there. So, um, you know, but let's try to keep it out of the the banking uh, sector. Now, certain states are obviously, you know, states are, are the laboratories of democracy. Uh, if, you you know, if, I, if I'm being generous, or, you know, that they, you know, race to the bottom, if I'm, uh, is another way to, to look at it. Um, you know, but, you uh, that still hinges, of course, on the Federal Reserve granting, you know, master accounts to some of these new state depository institutions. So, for instance, in Wyoming, the legislature there created a new type of bank charter called a uh, Special Purpose Depository Institution Charter, um, which is exclusively for, uh, you know, firms that are in the crypto industry. Um, Fully reserved, So the requirement is that it'd be fully, uh, fully reserved. They're not allowed to engage in fractional reserve banking. So they can't lend on uh, their deposits. And because of that, they don't have to get FDIC insurance. They're not considered a bank, uh, a bank for the bank holding company purposes. They're not subject to federal reserve supervision. So the only one who would supervise them would be the Wyoming division of banks. um, And they would be able to facilitate, you know, crypto to fiat and vice versa payments. And which is really the, the holy grail, right. For a lot of these, these crypto firms. Um, because at the end of the day, you know most people are still, you know, converting crypto into to fiat, um, and so you need a banking relationship to to make that happen. And if they're able to get access, if these SBDI charter recipients are able to get access to the Fed's uh, payment system, um, you know, then we see another, you know, another sort of crack will have occurred in the in the separation mm-hmm. here, um, and and you know, and so that's a live issue. That's a live debate. Uh, that uh, uh, there's two uh, Kraken Bank and Avanti financial or two um, SBDI recipients that are awaiting uh, the Kansas City Feds review of their master account application. So um, I would like to see the Fed be more forceful that um, that it's not going to happen. You're not going to you're not going to get that. Um, And back to, you know, legislation, I don't think that they even need it. I mean, you know, going back to a bit of crypto history here, people forget that the OCC attempted to roll out a fintech charter back in 2016, Mm -hmm. under a Democratic appointed comptroller under uh, Tom Curry, right? And his, uh, his chief counsel uh, was, uh, was Amy Friend, who was uh, uh, a leading uh, drafter of the, the Dodd-Frank uh, uh, bill when she was uh, working for Senator uh, Dodd. Um, so this was not by any means like a, you know, a conservative um, uh, creation. Um, and they got sued by the states uh, and they actually had to stop that, uh, that charter because uh, New York state sued them. Now that was a different type of charter than what the, the PWG report. Is recommending, and we should make clear that they're saying that this, um, that they need to be uh, chartered as the depository institutions, right, they need to have FDIC um, insurance, well that original uh, 2016 fintech charter um, was for non depository, so it'd probably be of interest mostly to peer to peer lenders, or, you know, otherwise known as marketplace lenders. Um, and I think that was a concern from states is that, you know, people would use this charter to bypass state usury laws, you know, anti predatory lending laws. Um, but nonetheless, I think it points to the fact that they don't need legislation right, to um, to issue the charter that they're envisioning, that they can go ahead and do it on their own. And I think they're just snake bit by the litigation that occurred um, after that. But I think in this case, they probably wouldn't um, receive the pushback that they did receive from the states because the concerns are different. And the states, I think, were, were again, concerned that this was not, um, you know, this was going to apply to non-depositories, that you're going to open up the... Um, you know, access to the banking system for, for folks who don't deserve it because they're not accepting deposits. So, you know, there's a long history here um, that, uh, that was essentially ignored in the, uh, the, the PWG report. So, you know, not only did they punt, but, the, you know, what they're asking for, they have the authority to do on their own, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they did ignore the OCC guidance too. And you mentioned that earlier and they, they, they could have said more there. It's pretty strict, Um, You know, to take for for a national bank to take a stable coin's reserves, they have to have total visibility into the stable coin, which strikes me as a non-starter. I don't see any stable coin really Mm -hmm. signing up for that. Maybe USDC. Um, But yeah, I mean, they could have just, they could have totally axed it. And I I think that history, you know, shouldn't have been ignored either, that they could have really severed a connection there between you know these these sort of dubious reserves in the banking system and I, i'm sorry caleb we lee and i are, are are being stable coins and crypto ourselves and yeah. self-reinforcing each other we you can jump in with another question uh obviously we'll go all day here
1: well there's one final point sorry i'm i'm uh, taking over again caleb but you know the, the the point around wallets shouldn't be ignored you know either because you know think mm-hmm. about what Let's just take a te- step back and think of what, you know, stable coins allow people to do, right? So um, I can hold $100,000, right? Or $10,000 in a PayPal account or, you know, in a bank account at Bank of America, but only after I've passed through, you know, various due diligence, know your customer processes, right? That's not the case with stablecoins. I can hold $100,000 worth of Tether or USDC without having to provide any identifying information. Whatsoever to either tether or Circle or the owners of any you know stablecoin platform, right? Because you know crypto allows for self custody of of uh, of your assets. Um, you know, so the only people who have to identify themselves are those who want to convert stablecoins back into actual dollars at an exchange, or who want to um, you know access the stablecoin issuer directly, right? Um, I don't know how this, even if they're successful in getting this piece of legislation, I don't know how that problem is solved. Um, so you you make these stablecoin issuers become banks, but then once they issue these stablecoins, minor things that they, people would still be able to self-custody it. Um, so essentially, you'd be granting bank accounts to people who have to do nothing in terms of um, identity. Um, and so that's where they they kind of you know have this uh, additional language around wallet providers and hosted wallet providers, and you know that some regulator uh, they don't name who would also have the authority to write rules governing these wallet providers, which are just like tech companies, you know, I, so I don't even know how this would work mechanically. Like, there's a lot of just questions that I have mm-hmm. um, that I don't understand, you know, that would really need to be fleshed out in a very detailed and comprehensive way. And I just don't, frankly, you know, trust that Congress would get these answers right.
2: It's going to rear its head if, if with the Fed's report too. the Fed, I mean, we've been waiting, the Fed was supposed to issue in September, uh, a report on its central bank digital currency, but all that's going to come up. I mean, how the central bank digital currency can live in individual wallets. Uh, you know, how it can be interoperable across multiple blockchains in a way that's yeah. useful. I mean, that's that's Tether's big advantage too, is that it can live on so many blockchains, and uh, you know, all the yeah, all these questions remain unanswered.
0: One of the uh, by and by the way, I I am here to bring you two, and I am now just an audience member listening in, and this has been awesome. The uh, <laughs> there there was another I think something that hasn't been brought up is the kind of the the if the legislation recommendation was a punt, was the recommendation that FSOC get involved, kind of a lateral. What was the what was the what did you guys make of that? It was seemed like a message to themselves mostly, uh, and I, I know it's, a, it's obviously a slight difference in makeup, but uh, but yeah, what did you make of make of FSOC's role uh, in or the shout out to FSOC in the report?
1: Yeah, I mean we've seen FSOC be used as a, a punt, and <laughs> in, in uh, multiple uh, uh, occasions, right? Um, oh well, FSOC will review this. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think in this context, it's, it's probably a hedge, right? So um, if stablecoins continue to grow and Congress doesn't pass the recommended legislation, um, then FSOC can designate either, you know, certain stablecoin issuers as uh, systemically important financial market utilities, SIFMUs, or um, uh, certain activities as systemically important, important payment clearing and, and settlement activities, which would bring um, enhanced supervision Probably by the, the Federal Reserve. And again, I don't even know how that would work in practice, frankly, if they, if they go the PCS route um, uh, and don't actually designate it an entity. I don't even know what that would, would mean, um, frankly, from a day to day supervisory um, standpoint. So, you know, I viewed it as a hedge. I don't think it's likely given the limited size. Now, you know, I, again, like, you know, Facebook, Libra looms large over this whole thing, especially the section around. Um, you know, competition, right? Uh, And they have this point around um, economies of scale and scope, which is very clearly a reference to um, social media networks or other tech, you know, platforms that, you know, have uh, billions of of active uh, uh, users. So, you know, maybe in that case, if they're, you know, if if Facebook is successful, Meta is successful, then, you know, SIFMU designation would be uh, appropriate. But I, it's hard for me to fathom um, a state of the world anytime soon in which uh, FSOC would need to, to designate anything as uh, systemically important in, in the stablecoin world.
2: Yeah, total agreement for me. It's it's tricky. I mean, like the options that Lee lays out, I mean, the, the FSOC can go, it can go the activities-based route, um, which... Basically, I mean, nothing's going to happen there. I mean, what is, uh, they're not going to call the Tether's bank supervisor in the Bahamas and say, hey, you know, we just issued a report that says, you know, that we're, we're advising you to look closer at this. Uh, there's the entity-based route, which some of these things aren't even in the U.S. Uh, the ones that are, it, it's, it's not clear that that the FSOC can seriously call them systemic. I mean, I mean, even in, in 2008, when we have called the Reserve Primary Fund systemic, you know, probably not, but it ended yeah. up breaking the whole industry. Um, and, and then there's the payments route, uh, you know, the systemically important payments mechanism. And it's not a payments mechanism. I mean, it, it is in yeah. the crypto world, but but it's just not anywhere else. Um, and, and then the other issue that kind of looms over this is it, it can be, t- and this sort of goes back to the Glass-Steagall reinterpretation too, but it can be very difficult for the FSOC to say something with legitimacy about these, about these entities without implicating themselves on money market funds. Um, it, it's going to be very hard to call these things deposits uh, without implicating money market funds, which, which are a huge regulatory arbitrage. Uh, so, so I think that's going to slow walk this thing. You know, everyone's talking about, about crypto lobbyists, uh, but there, it may be the case that we need to worry about, about fund lobbyists too, about the money market fund complex, because they don't want to get roped into this uh themselves and 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 that's a way more established lobby
1: yeah that's i mean that's a, a great point and i totally agree there you know and the the thing about the activities based approach is like you know it's kind of like a misnomer right because all it means is that fsoc is making recommendations to member agencies that then they have the discretion to implement or not and then we're back at square one it's like well why don't we just then let each agency regulate these things, you know, given their existing legal mandates. You know, right? Like the, the person who's made the most sense on all this to me is, is Gary Gensler, right? And I think it's telling because he's someone who has studied this um intensively prior to to coming you know back into to government service. And I found it so amusing that uh you know crypto enthusiasts were were very excited when he got tapped to be the next SEC chair because like, oh he studies crypto, he gets it. Um he, you know, he's, he's going to love us and, 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 uh, and have light touch regulations. Like, listen, I study this thing too from a dispassionate standpoint and I agree completely with everything he's done, right? Like, I think it's all, you know, generally speaking, crap. There's a lot of hype. Um, there's no there there. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so he, you know, so he's called stable coins, the casino chips at the casino, right? Um, that's exactly what they are. Now, what's concerning to me is, you know, you're starting to see, and, and, and this is a continuation from, you know, uh, uh, under the Trump administration, some turf battles between the CFTC uh, and uh, the SEC, and that never ends well, okay? Um, because, you know, it allows the industry to, to exploit that, um, uh, right? And, you know, a few weeks ago, you had uh, the CFTC for the first time ever classify a stablecoin, tether um, as a commodity. Um, so what does that mean now for the STC's ability um, to take an enforcement action against Tether for being a, an unregistered investment company? You know, can, is it po- I don't think it's possible for something to be both a commodity and an, and an investment company. And, and what's interesting actually is uh, Commissioner Stump at the CFTC uh, issued a concurring opinion. This is very rare, you know, so, you know, the, the whole commission, it was a, a unanimous vote. Right. They approved this enforcement action against Tether and, and Bitfinex, and they're owned by the same entity. Um, but Commissioner Stumpf issues this concurring opinion where she says, well, I'm concerned about the message this sends around what the CFTC actually does when it comes to regulating stablecoins and, um, and crypto in, in general. Um, people might actually think that um, you know, these things are supervised right, uh, on a day-to-day basis, meaning there's people coming in sort of kicking the, the tires. Um, which is a very bizarre kind of logic. so that means you shouldn't take any action like I'm not I'm not sure here, but um, yeah, I mean, you're so you're seeing these these turf battles you know play out. you know, Gary Gensler has said, you know, he thinks most uh, crypto, most tokens are, are securities, you know very few classify as commodities. You know, uh, uh, acting chair of the CCC, you know Russ Benham recently testified that you know he thinks his agency should be you know running point when it comes to to crypto. So, This is not, you know, good news for anyone who cares about, um, you know, financial stability, uh, consumer protection, um, right? Because we've seen this story play out before, and it never ends well. And, you know, I think, you know, I'll end here, which is, uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to take some type of crisis to drive meaningful regulation in the the cryptosphere. Uh, You know, historically, that's what it's taken for, for, you know, you look at, you know, major pieces of regulation, um, you know, both banking and capital markets historically put in place after some type of crisis. And so once the proverbial, you know, widows and orphans um, are hurt, you know, they're gonna go to their congressman, they're gonna go to their senator and they're gonna say, what are you gonna do about this? What are you gonna do to fix this? Um, and, And then we'll see meaningful regulation. And the question is, well, what will it look like then?
2: I'm gonna agree. I'm just gonna add one caveat. I think the other possible impetus could be meaningful progress from Facebook. Because that seems to be the only bipartisan issue left is that Congress hates Facebook, uh, so that that might prompt some regulation.
0: Yeah, so this is going to be this is going to be important uh, stuff, and we either may get something big on 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 one side before we get something on the other side. Uh, before I guess before we wrap it up, were there any other uh, takeaways that that we that we didn't get to or things that you're you're looking forward to? Um or uh you know things that uh that do and then I'll have I'll have one question to kind of end it after that. Anything else in the report that we didn't get to?
1: Not in the report, but but Caleb, you and Stephen both referenced a, a pending uh, report from the Federal Reserve around central bank digital currency. Uh, you know, my understanding is that it's it's due any any day now. Um, you know, based upon some of the messages that you've heard from. Um, Fed officials, you know, various Fed governors, I, I don't expect them to embrace this, right? I mean, so, you know, Governor Quarles, um, I think Governor uh, Waller, um, uh, Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, has, has, has sort of said, I don't, you know, this is kind of a solution in search of a problem here. Um, Governor Brainerd has I, I've been more receptive, I think, to the idea and has, is very motivated by what, what China is doing. Um, you know, but I always come back to you, like, what, what is the problem that we're trying to solve for? Right. and I think this applies to, to stable coins as well, because we have become so fixated on the like the object, which is like crypto, you know, blockchain, you know, decentralized. Um, you know, and, and crypto people are are very quick to point out, and rightfully so, that you know we have a very um, slow and antiquated payment system uh, in the in the U.S. Right, we do not have real time payments. Um, and that does impose an economic cost that's primarily borne by lower-income uh, Americans. I mean, there's plenty of research, and Aaron Klein at Brookings has documented this brilliantly. Um, so it needs to be it needs to be fixed. I say I don't think crypto is going to solve it. I don't think blockchain, uh, ascent, uh, especially um, uh, permissionless uh, blockchains, um, solve this problem because the settlement is just too slow. Um, but let's get real-time payments, and I think you know let's get Fed now sooner right? There's a project on, underway to, to get real-time growth settlement. Um, there's other steps that can be taken. They could just, you know, operate 24-7. Um, but I think once we actually get to real-time payments, a lot of the motivations behind, you know, uh, stable coins and, and CBDC will fall um, to the wayside, in my opinion. And you look at global innovations that have actually promoted financial inclusion, real-time payments um, most successfully, they don't use blockchain. They don't rely on crypto crypto. So M-Pesa in Kenya, for instance, right? Alipay, WeChat Pay, QR code based, right? Don't use blockchain and, and crypto. So, um, you know, so crypto, CBDC, stable coins, aren't the solutions to what ails us. Um, the solutions are at hand. And I think the Fed should be motivated to get this stuff across the finish line as soon as they can before, um, you know, crypto implodes and possibly takes down the,
0: the rest of the financial system. That's that's a that's a perfect place to 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 close. Although I do, I would be remiss if I didn't add one question uh, about the uh, the uh, Fed nomination uh, deal going on right now with with Biden. Look actively uh, interviewing for for positions, um, and it's not just the chair, but now there are are multiple you know openings. I guess the question is is how much I guess I've I've followed quite closely and, you know, crypto maybe and and stable coins uh, and even payment systems below that maybe are maybe the, you know, maybe the fifth, sixth and seventh uh, kind of issues that have been been brought into that. I guess that kind of subjectively, do you think that's appropriately placed in the ranking of, uh, I guess this isn't fair asking somebody that does this. the time but you know considering the 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 roles and responsibilities of of the fed and and the considering biden has you know been been quite quiet about his views about what the fed should or shouldn't do you know this nomination process is really his his chance to to kind of do that publicly uh is it is it getting the attention that that it should in comparison to some of the others and you know, any comments on the nomination?
2: I don't know how salient it is. I mean, even it can be hard to get financial stability on the docket uh, in itself. You know, and big banks and, and, and issues like that, you know, stuff that Elizabeth Warren cares about are, are very salient. And even then it can be hard to get financial stability sort of front and center in these considerations. Um, you know, it's typically monetary policy. That being said, I think financial stability is a little more important this time around than, than in, in previous nominations, but, uh, I, I don't see the crypto issue or, or stable coins or CBDC really on the table. It's mentioned a little bit, uh, in discussions around Brainerd, but, um, uh, mostly as an afterthought.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, as someone who teaches and writes quite a bit about, um, cryptocurrency, I've always said that it, it, it takes up, um, uh, more, uh, more oxygen than it, than it deserves. I mean, just ask the, you know, the average person, right? Um, you know, how has crypto you know, changed your life or what product or service has it made better? Um, yeah. And the answer is none, right? Um, so um, it hasn't really meaningfully changed uh, uh, anything. So I don't, I don't think it should be um, a priority if you're um, President Biden, but I do think, you know, and he has enough vacancies now with the, the pending um, um, uh, resignation of Governor Quarles. To appoint someone uh, to, to the board that does have a more technical um, perspective, that has experience in, in payments, I mean, I think that is um, valuable. You know, I used to work at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, you know, when I was there, um, you know, the first vice president, so the, the kind of second in command um, you know, was not an economist. And it was, it was Michael Strine. I think he was like prior to, to you know, coming to the New York Fed was a chief operating officer at the University of Virginia. And at first I thought, well, that's kind of very odd, you know, like when we want an economist. But then once you're there and you realize all the different functions that the Fed performs, particularly the New York Fed, you know, when it comes to payments, you know, supervision, um, you know, the actual provision of money, um, you need someone with an operations uh, uh, background. Um, and so I, I think it would certainly um, uh, warrant consideration if you're, you're President Biden and his uh, economic team to, to get someone who um, has experience uh, in, in the payment system, has technical chops uh, and can really drive some of this work forward because it is critical that we get to real-time payments uh, in this country. Um, it is hurting uh, our, our economic growth. And of course, at the end of the day, that's what the Fed cares about, right?
2: And that, and that being said, if you look at the list, you know you go on predicted and see who's trading at least a cent for any of these Fed roles. The 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 only, I mean, the people with great payments experience are Paul and Brainerd. I mean, just that, just in their time at the Fed, have done tons of great work on payments. Nobody else, you know, you know, Gary Gensler's great on on crypto and things like that, but nobody else, kind of, in this Fed discussion really has the background that, that Paul and Brainerd had. So even though it may not be a priority in the decision, it's it certainly it, and, and the the talent is there at least amongst the top two candidates.
0: And that is exactly what I was the, the, the ending that I was looking for. Uh, Cause I think that this, uh, I think that's a, that's a little bit of new blood uh, into this uh, nomination story that, that keeps getting uh, uh, delayed and delayed and delayed. Maybe we'll get that fed report after the nomination <laughs> decision is made. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's plenty of salt in the, uh, in, in the, in the water there already. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, Lee is on Twitter at Lee Reiners. Stephen is at Stephen Kelly, and I'm at Caleb Nygaard. Uh, until next time, thanks for listening.